God, we just thank you this morning uh, for those of us that have connected with who you are, how often we can forget the longer we're in this thing, uh, the power of who you are. So God, I just pray even in my own life that you would take me back to that space, you take me back to that time, that you would remind me of that moment that you entered my life. Uh, help us to return on a daily to our first love. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of that. It's easy to forget. It's easy to forget. All right, like I said, welcome to The Fringe. We're glad you're here. My name is Patrick. My wife is in there with some of your kids. Uh, she has an amazing ability to wrangle crazy kids because uh, we have some. So they're in good hands. I just want to acknowledge uh, that none of this could happen without her. So Sarah, shout out. You hear me back there? <laughs> yeah, man, beautiful thing. Uh, oh, man, I tell you, there's some powerful stuff that's been happening. Uh, I want to thank you guys that came uh, last week to the outreach that, that we did. I'll, I'll tell you about that in a minute. But there's some incredible things happening at the French Church. If you'd like to connect with us, I encourage you to go to our website. It's just www.thefrenchhamilton.com. Uh, you can also find us on social media, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, hey, thanks for the review, by the way. I love that. If you get time, and I'm not into like pushing people to market stuff. I'm just not into it. If it's real, people will naturally want to share it, naturally want to uh, get the word out there. But uh, she, she did a review on what she's gotten from what we're doing here. And so if you have time and, and this has been meaningful you uh, meaningful for you to come here, feel free to write us a review uh, on social media that'll help us out as well. But yeah, some powerful stuff, man, that's been happening. Uh, this past, uh, I think it was past Tuesday, we had about 100 people graduate from our music therapy program in the prisons, both prisons that we get. Yeah, can we make some noise for that? I know they're not here. <laughs> I, I know they're not here, but I, hey, I'll tell you, man, like what, what God is doing through the outreach of this place, like it's incredible. It's changing people's lives. And we go into uh, the men's prison up in Monroe. Actually, it's Lebanon. It's called Lebanon Correctional, right off uh, Route 63 over there by the outlets. We're there every Tuesday morning. And then Tuesday evening, we go into the women's prison uh, from 4 to 6 p.m. PM. Feel free if you want to connect. Uh, I know those are weird times, but that's what the prison gave us, so we took the time they gave us. If you ever want to go, we'd love to take you. But yeah, it's incredible, man. We do this really intense eight-week faith-based uh, music therapy program where we work through the root causes of why people do what they do. Because how many of you guys know, and I think this is true in the spiritual life, if we don't get to the reasons why we do what we do, we're never really going to find true healing or true wholeness. And Jesus is all about going underneath all those layers, right? And so it's powerful, man. About 100 people uh, graduated that class, and it's voluntary. You know, they're not forced by the prison. Hey, you got to go down there to Scars and Bars. They, they voluntarily go. So powerful stuff. Uh, if you're giving today, there's a joy box in the back, that little brown box. Don't feel pressure with that. Uh, but thank you for those of you that have supported our work financially. We started the ministry to reach people on the fringe of society. We said, hey, if we're going to have outreach, like let's find the people that nobody wants to deal with, right? Let's find all those throwaways. Let's find the outcasts, the black sheep. You know, let's find let's find the problem people that really don't have the money to support what we're doing. Like it doesn't make any logical sense, but we just we know that's what God's called us to do, and so that's where we get the idea of the prisons, the homeless. Uh, we did a, we did a, uh, something a few weeks ago uh, for people who struggle with addiction. Uh, that's the idea, man, because we believe and we're fully convinced that when we enter the lives of these people, we are literally entering the life of God. Like that, if you want to find God, and I'm going to get into that in a minute, you want to find God, yeah, he's in churches, man, he's there, he'll fill you, but there's a whole nother level, man, to that thing when you enter the life of somebody who is on the fringe, somebody who is marginalized, somebody who is oppressed, somebody who is lost, or something powerful to that. So that's kind of the idea behind that. Uh, what I want to talk about today 
is I've, I've called this message this uh, message the God of Tent City. Now, Tent City is the place we went to, and I'll, I'll tell you kind of how that went here in a minute. But there's a, if you're not aware of it, there's a, a, an encampment of homeless people that live behind a strip mall on Route 4, literally in the woods with tents, and there's probably 60 people, from my guess, uh, living back there. They're literally living back there in tents. Uh, they've created their own little village. They've decorated. I mean, some of those people we talked to uh, this past week, they've been living in the woods in a tent for the last three years. Uh, we were able to uh, take one of our friends here that comes to the French who had actually at one point lived in Tent City. So that's what I love about this place. Like, you know, th there's every kind of person here. And, and the person you're sitting next to, like, they might, have been, they might have been a drug addict. They might have just got out of prison. But God is transforming our lives, man. And we're excited about that. But, uh, yeah, man, the God of Tent City. And, and I, I want to ask this question. It's kind of rhetorical. You don't have to answer but what, I want you to use your imagination for a minute, and I want you to imagine, what is the most God-forsaken place on earth? What is the most God-forsaken place that you can imagine in your mind? Maybe in America, maybe Hamilton, Ohio, uh, in this city, maybe wherever. You know, we got family here from out of town. Thank you guys again for coming. Appreciate that. Uh, whatever area, whatever region you're from, you know, what, what in your mind, when you think of the most God-forsaken thing, what comes to mind? You know, a lot of us, we have all these different pictures and these different images of that. And I want you to keep that, that question in the back of your mind. And I wanna, I wanna challenge you with the thought today that God, uh, from my own experience, is often found in the places that we would least expect him, right? And if you look throughout the story of scripture from the very book of Genesis all the way to Revelations, you will see God doing like these peekaboos, like, hey, you thought I was over there, but hey, peekaboo, you know, I was over here. Uh, and so from the very beginning, man, like God, uh, he's he's always he's often found not all the time but often found in, in the most least expected place uh, in the book of Genesis it says in the beginning God created the heavens and earth and the earth was formless and void and 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 darkness hovered over the face of face of the of the deep and it said that the spirit of God was hovering over this chaos now that that phrase uh, the earth was formless and void if you read the original language. Uh, in Hebrew, that phrase is, it's tohu vavohu. And what that means is it means wild and waste. So it says at the beginning, there was something going on with creation that everything was like chaotic. You ever feel like your life is like that? Like everything is chaotic. Like your mind's chaotic. The outward is chaotic. The house is chaotic, right? We just moved. I, hey, let me tell you something. You want to test your friendship? Invite somebody to move. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Those of you that have helped. I know some of you other guys wanted to, you weren't feeling well, but hey, appreciate that, man. Uh, but yeah, so the earth was formless and void, tohu vavohu, wild and waste. So there was this like crazy chaos going on. And, it's, and this is the first verses of the Bible. It said, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the darkness, the spirit of God was hovering over the chaos. And it says eventually that God separated the darkness from light. He created animals. He created the atmosphere. And so God began, began to bring order out of the chaos. And when you look at the first uh, few verses of Genesis, I think those are prophecies of the human condition. I think Genesis, the very beginning of Genesis, it's not just the story of God creating the earth. It is that. But it's also the story of you and I. It's the story of the human condition. If you look at the word Adam in the Hebrew, it's the word Adam, which means earth. It means dirt. So just imagine, in the beginning, God created man and darkness hovered over the face of his life. But the spirit was hovering over the waters and God said, let there be light. Isn't that what happens with creation? Isn't that what happens when we say yes to Jesus, man? He enters 
the darkness of our lives and he separates the chaos and he brings order. Man, it's powerful to me when I think about that. When I think about my life before God, my life was formless and void, man. I was empty. I was empty inside. And so God said, let there be light and he brings order to my life. And I think that's what he does. And so again, from the very beginning, from the book of Genesis, man, God is present above the darkness. God, from the beginning, has shown up in unexpected places. You look at Abraham, uh, the father of our faith. It says he, he had a kid in his 90s. Now, I don't know about you, but we just had a baby. I can't imagine. I can't even begin to wrap my mind around being 90 years old. Any parents here? Amen. <laughs> Hey, I love my kids, but man, can you imagine 90 years old, right? And so for us, if we were going to do the promise, if we were going to make the thing happen, if it was up to you and I, we wouldn't have waited until we were 90, right? We would have said, hey, man, that dude's 20. She's, uh, she's, she's 25. That's the time, prime time. Have the baby now, the promise. No, man, God waits all this time, gives us promise, and all this waiting and waiting. And there's so much dysfunction that happened because of the waiting. I won't get into that. Uh, if you want to read about that, feel free to dig the dig the story up in the book of Genesis. But man, yeah, Adam has this kid in the 90s. And I want to tell you this, God is present in the waiting. If you, if you feel like in your life right now that you're in a place of waiting, there's things that you, you feel like God has spoken to you. There's things that you want to do. There's dreams that you have. Just because it hasn't happened doesn't believe. It doesn't mean that God is still not present in the midst of that. It just may not be time yet. It may not be time yet. God always shows up in unexpected places. You look at Daniel in the lion's den, you know? I don't know about you, but if, I, if, if God's going to move in my life, I'd rather not be in a pen with lions. I'm good, man. I'm good. Anybody here see that movie, The Revenant, you know? Leonardo DiCaprio. That movie's intense, man. Got mixed reviews. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it was kind of intense. It was almost like overkill a little bit. But man, I mean, that stuff's made... It's partially based on a true story, if you know the uh, story of the Trapper that the movie was made about. But yeah, can you imagine being in a lion's den? You know, you're about to be torn apart. Look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the, in the fiery furnace, right? God shows up in unexpected places. If you find yourself this morning and you feel like life is burning you up, just know that you're not in there alone. And sometimes the place God shows up the most is in the most difficult times in our life. Amen, somebody? I know I'm not the only one that has gone through that. Moses in the burning bush. So let's just let's just get into this here. So Moses, uh, this is Exodus. If you have your Bible, uh, chapter chapter three, verse one through four, uh, it says this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jericho, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Verse 3, so Moses thought, I would go over and see this strange sight. I don't know if that was smart or dumb. Uh, why, why hasn't the bush burned off? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Verse 8, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the, the Egyptians and bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, 
Amorites and Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. And now that the cry of Israel uh, has reached me and I have seen the way the, the Egyptians are oppressing them. So basically God's saying uh, his people, the Israelites, they were enslaved uh, for, for all these years, for years and years and years and years. Uh, and God says, hey man, I hear their cry. And so he appears to Moses in this burning bush. Now they, I, I find this story really interesting. Uh, I find it really interesting. When I first read it, I'm thinking, man, is this dude, like, is he eating peyote in the desert? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know about you, but I've never seen a desert. I've never seen a bush burn up and not catch on fire. And so, but in Moses' life during this time, like, Moses was a shepherd. He was working for his father-in-law, and he, he would take the animals out to pasture so they could eat. And at this point, he had been there for many, many years. He'd been living for the, he was coming to the end of his time with his father-in-law. He had been there for many, many years like Moses knew this desert, right? He had walked past these paths over and over and over and over again. And I don't think, in my personal opinion, I, I wasn't there, but I'm just, sometimes you gotta use your imagination with, with scripture. I don't think this is the first time that Moses walked past this burning bush. Moses was going through his regular daily routine, but this day something was different. He suddenly saw something different. There was something supernatural and powerful happening in his mundane Routine. I wonder how many times he had walked past this bush. I personally believe that there are burning bushes all around us. And I don't, I don't think they just happen in a church building. I don't think they just happen in conferences. I don't think they just happen with this group of people during this time. I think, man, everywhere we go, our jobs, when we're going to the grocery store, not that you got to turn the grocery store into some weird, awkward interaction with somebody, but I, I do, I think, I think there's burning bushes all around us all the time. But the difference is, uh, sometimes we have the eyes to see it, and sometimes we don't. You know, I think when this happens, what God's saying to Moses is he's saying, hey man, I want you to know that my presence is everywhere. Like, I think this was a monumental shift in the, in the minds and the psyches of those ancient people during that time that they lived. I think what God was saying to them was like, I'm different than all these other gods that you've heard about. I'm different than these gods from these other nations that surround you. I'm not the kind of God that you have to make penance to and you have to do this and you have to do that. I'm not some detached deity just floating around in space. I want you to know I'm the kind of God that comes into the human story, that comes into the human condition. I'm not the kind of God who's at a distance, but I'm going to give you something tactile and something physical that you can see, Moses, because I want you to know that I am burning all around you. The only difference is some days you have the eyes to see and some days you don't. Some days you don't. I want you to think about your own life. Is it possible? Is it possible for you and I that we've missed bushes burning all around us? Another story of Moses. Exodus chapter 33, verse 12 through 16. Moses said to God, look, you tell me, lead this people, but you don't let me know whom you're going to send with me. You tell me, I know you well, and you are special to me. If I'm so special to me, let me in on your plans. That way I'll continue being special to you. Can you see that humor in this? Don't forget, this is your people, your responsibility, the, the audacity of Moses, right? God said, my presence will go with you. I'll see the journey to the end. Moses said, if your presence doesn't take the lead here, call this trip off right now. How else will people know that you're with me in this? Are you traveling with us or not? How else will we be special on earth? I and your people among all the people on planet earth. Let me just say one thing as the leader of the French church, man, I don't want to do this thing if God doesn't go with us. If God is not going with us, man, we're just, we're just posturing. 
you know, this is just theatrics. I, I don't want any part of that. And that's, you know, my prayer with everything that we, we do. God, unless you go with us. Verse 17, God said to Moses, all right, just as you say, this also I will do, for I know you well, and you are special to me. I know you by name. But Moses says, please let me see your glory. God said, I will make my goodness pass right in front of you. I'll call out the name God right before you. I'll treat well whom, whomever I want to treat well, and I'll be kind to whomever I want to be kind. God continued, but you may not see my face. No one can see me and live. God said, look, here's a place right beside me. Put yourself on this rock. When my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I'll take my hand away and you'll see my back, but you won't see my face. It's pretty bizarre. Can we just admit that? I don't know about you. I've never physically seen God. That's a pretty bold thing to say. God, I want to I look at you. It always amazes me when people say, even people who have been walking with Jesus for a long time, I get, I get part of what I'm going to say here, but it always amazes me when people are like, man, I just can't wait to see God. You know? And, and if you've had that relationship with God, I get that. Like, there's a certain element, like, man, I can't wait to see God. Like, I have a relationship with him. He's not a stranger to me. But there's also this, this thought in my mind, like, you were talking about the being that created everything. The stars, the galaxies, like God said, let there be light. And the blazing ball of fire we call the sun came out of his mouth. There's a certain level of, yeah, yeah, I can't wait to see him. Oh, I can't wait to see him. You know what I mean? And like, that's what, that's what Moses is saying. And God says to him, like, bro, I want you to know, like, I am so massive. I am so huge, not just in, in physical parameters, not in just measurement that you can measure with a tape, tape measure, but I am so far above anything your little three pound brain can comprehend. There's no way you could see my face and still live because if you saw my face, you would come apart on, a, on an atomic level. Like your, your, your bones and your blood would just separate, you know? Think about this, the God who created the heavens and earth. Yeah, I can't wait to see him, but man, it talks about in the book of Revelations, this, this being is so massive that it, it describes the heavens and earth fleeing from his face, that he's gonna roll up the earth like a scroll. Like that's intense, man, that is intense. Think about this. You know, I'm going to give you something interesting to think about when you lay down tonight. Think about this. And we all know this, but I want you to think about this for about 10 minutes before you go to bed. There was never a time God didn't exist. I know we know that, but think about this. Before time even began, he was there. So Moses says to him, hey, man, I want to see your glory. I want to see uh, the original Hebrew the word glory is the word kavo. He was asking he was asking God to say, hey man, show me something. I need something that I can wrap my mind around. I need something that I can see, that I can touch, that I can feel. And I believe that mankind from the very beginning and from the time of Moses, we've been asking the same question. God, give me something I can hold on to. Give me something that I can connect with. And if you go to the original language, uh, that part, uh, I'll pass by you. What, it, what it's originally saying in the original language is I'll show you my hind parts. I'll show you behind me. And the ancient rabbis and in the Midrash, they say what he was getting at, what was really being said, what, the, what was being communicated was God was saying to, to Moses, hey, I am so huge. The only thing that I could show you is where I was just at. Like he didn't really, if you go into the original language and you, 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 you look into some of that stuff, he didn't even see God's backside. God is so massive. All Moses, his little frail three-pound brain could comprehend, all his spirit could comprehend, was to see the place that God just was. It's interesting. Fascinating. Awe-inspiring. So God shows up in the most unexpected place a little 
burning bush says something interesting. God says to Moses, hey man, in order for you to see this, and I want you to catch this, if you remember anything I say today, in order for you to see this, Moses, I need you to put, I need to put you in the cleft of the rock. That's a little wink, that's a little wink at a prophecy of what was gonna come down the road. Jesus is called the rock, the cornerstone. The only way you can see God, the only way you can connect with God is to be put into the cleft of who Jesus is, man. Step into the reality of who Jesus is. So that's how we see, you wanna see what God looks like? Look at Jesus, man, look at Jesus. Joseph's captivity, I mean, we could go on and on. Elijah in the whisper of God, God came to him in an unexpected way. There was first, there was a hurricane, then there was a storm, then there was lightning, and God was in none of it. He was in none of it. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes I think in church environments, we're often taught that like God is in all this hype, and the louder someone is, right, and the better musician they are, like that's where God's at. Not necessarily all the time. Sometimes he is. Nothing wrong with shout. I like to shout. But God is not always in the hype. Sometimes God... Sometimes, and I'm talking to myself, sometimes in my own life, I'm looking for something huge, I'm looking for something dramatic, but the whole time, God is whispering underneath the surface of all. Still small voice. God has a way of showing up in unexpected places and people. When he chose a king, he chose the smallest. Think about King David, man. They went through all of his brothers. Even, and I find this fascinating. The prophet, the guy who's supposed to know better, picks the wrong guy. You know? Sometimes, <laughs> I joke about this, I joke about this all the time, but I think, man, how much, how many times have we missed out on great musicians? You know, it's the whole American Idol syndrome. Uh, I know I've got friends that have gone to those auditions, uh, the X Factor, all that stuff, and I'm not saying there's not talented people on there, but some of these people I know that have gone, they're so far above and beyond anything that's gotten on television but because they didn't look a certain way, because they didn't act a certain way, because they were from a certain background or whatever, like they didn't fit the description of being on that show. Let's just take the music, let's just talk about music. You go back to the 70s, some of the best musicians ever to touch rock and roll were some weird, bizarre people, can we agree? Think about Janis Joplin, think about Jimi Hendrix, you know what I mean? We wouldn't have them now because they don't fit the description, you know? You think about, I mean, look at Nirvana, you know? We wouldn't have all this amazing music uh, if it was so filtered like it is now. And oftentimes God shows up uh, with the most unexpected people, you know? And I've, I've told people uh, many times as we're building this band, I, I don't care uh, what background or musical, you know, background people are from, like, Hey man, if you're passionate about what we're passionate about and you're passionate about God, like we want to we want we want to get you involved. So again, the prophet misses the point because he didn't fit the description. I wonder how many Davids have passed over, have been passed over in churches. And and never been given the opportunity to leave because they don't fit the description. God had to even tell Samuel the prophet, "You got the wrong guy." His appearance, he even says to him at one point, "His appearance and his height don't matter." I've rejected that guy. The Lord doesn't look at the thing people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I don't care how unqualified or insignificant you feel. And I think this is something we all struggle with. Every single person. I'm not good enough. Man, if I could do this, if I could be like that. Like, that is not what God looks at. The only thing that qualifies us to do anything in the, in the kingdom of God, it's our, it's our heart and our willingness to have the heart and a passion for it. That's it. Nothing else. That's what God's asking. I don't care how unqualified 
or insignificant you feel? Do you have the heart? Do you have passion for me and my kingdom? That's something I could do something with. God shows up in unexpected places. And I just want to read real quick a few places that he's shown up throughout the scriptures. When choosing a people, he came to the smallest. When choosing a king, he came to the youngest. His disciples were the least qualified to spread the gospel. He came to a gospel hater and a religious terrorist. If you know Saul's back or uh, Paul's backstory, he was the equivalent of a religious terrorist. Israel expected blessing through birth order, but God chose the second son. They expected God would protect the strong, but his law protected the widows, fatherless, and the alien. They thought the Messiah would come from the religious elite, but he came from a young unwed woman which would have been scandalous in that time. They were looking for a Messiah in Jerusalem, but he was born in Bethlehem. They even said to him at one point, could anything good come out of Nazareth? They assumed he'd come in glory, but he came in infancy in an animal stable. They expected he'd take the crown, but he took up the cross. They expected he would praise the Pharisees and chastise the sinners, but he chastised the Pharisees and loved the sinners and was even called a friend of them. They expected he would ignore the poor, but he promised them that the last will be first and the first will be last. They expected he would honor their traditions, but he hated their religious posturing. They expected he would take up a sword, but he took up his cross. God has a pattern to shock and surprise us in the least expected places and people that we imagine. God will even speak to you through people you would least expect. The story of Peter going to Cornelius. Cornelius was an outsider. You can read the story in Acts uh, chapter 10. God comes to Peter in a vision and says in verse 15, the voice spoke to him a second time. Don't call anything impure that God has made clean. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. He gives Peter this vision and the sheet comes down from heaven and it shows on the sheet in the dream that all these animals that Jews did not eat. And, and the spirit says to him, hey, Peter, rise up, kill. I want you to eat it. And he says to God, he's having this whole argument in his dream. There's no way I don't eat. I don't eat pork. I'm not eating pork chops. I don't want bacon. I'm a Jew. You know what I mean? No, I'm not eating the, this camel. You know what I mean? No, Lord, you know, I'm not going to violate you. She goes up, comes down again. Rise up, Peter, kill, eat. Lord, you know I've never touched anything clean. And, 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 and then he has a vision of this guy Cornelius. And this guy Cornelius, he was not a Jew. And up until that point, they didn't have interactions with each other, right? And so God speaks to him through Cornelius. It's incredible. It's incredible. Matthew chapter 25, and I'm going to wrap up with this. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 40. This is talking about there's going to come a day on this earth when God is going to make everything right. You know, if you've suffered injustice, if you've suffered horrible things, if you've gone through things that you felt like you were wronged, there is coming a day where God is going to put the world back together. And there's going to be an account for everything that's been done. And people are going to have to answer for what they've done. There's, there's coming a day where God's going to, he's going to restore everything and he's going to hold everybody accountable. And uh, this is what this is talking about. Acts, or uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 25 is talking about when God comes back to the earth. When he finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the son of man, speaking of Jesus, will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him and he will sort the people out much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats putting sheep to the right and goats to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, enter, you are blessed. 
by my father, take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready from you since the world's foundation. And here's why. Come into my kingdom. Come into my father's house. Welcome to the kingdom of God like you've been accepted. And, 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 and here's why. And I, and I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I get excited about this. Because Jesus doesn't give me a huge list of religious hoops to jump through. Thank God, man. Because I don't know about you, but I struggle sometimes. I'm human. Like, there's times like even this morning, you know, we were going through some family stuff. Hey, shout out to Ethan. Thank you, man. Appreciate you for coming. Yeah. Yeah, but we've had to come here early, you know, because we move now. And, and so it's a challenge, man. When you got kids, you know, it wasn't all puppies and kittens on the way here. You know what I mean? We were struggling. It was hard. It was difficult, right? But we're here. And, and I don't know about you, but sometimes you can feel the weight of, like, religious culture that, hey, if you don't do this and you don't do that and you better do this and you better do that. And so Jesus comes and he says, hey, hey in Matthew 25, this is the way you enter the kingdom of God. This is the way you enter heaven. And it's not a bunch of religious hoops to jump through. It's actually real simple. It's real easy as this. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped the visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you sick and in prison and come to you? Then the king will reply, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whatever you did, one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. That was me. You did it to me. You want to see God's glory, man? You really want to connect with God? Find the cemetery. That's where resurrection happens. That's where resurrection happens. Without Jesus' death, without the cemetery, there's no resurrection. Jesus spent his entire ministry entering cemeteries, if you will, to bring people back to life. You want to see Jesus? Find the most dead, hopeless people and situations and discover the God who is already in their midst, man. Like, he doesn't say, it was like you did it to me. He says, when you help this dude out, when you spend some time with them, when you do this and you do that, uh, when, when you uh, give me a guy something to drink, when you help somebody out who needs clothes, when you stop the visit, when we go into the prisons, it's not like we're doing it to God. You know why we go into the prisons? It's because we see we see God in a way that we can't see anywhere else. And it's not that this isn't valuable. It's not that coming together on the church service, God is here. I felt it here this morning, man, when we got started. God is present here, but God is not just present here. And there's there's a different, there's a whole different level that you experience in those environments that you will never experience in a church service. And I tell you this as someone who's preached and I've traveled all over the world doing this for 20 years. I'm not taking away from the value of a, of a gathering, of a church service, but man, when we enter the lives of these people, it's not like we're doing it to God. We're doing it to God, and you could feel it. I mean, you could feel it. Couldn't you feel that? Those of you that went to the tent city this past week, we walked into that place, and I'll be honest, man, I'm from the inner city of Cleveland. I've seen some stuff. I have seen some stuff. I have seen some stuff I would never tell you about. Uh, I've done some stuff I probably would never tell you about. Sarah may know about, but I've seen some stuff. And that place shocked me. It shocked me. It shocked me the level of 
despair, the level of hopelessness, the fact that this was these people's realities. And when I walked in there, they were all sitting, uh, sitting in this like common area that they, that they tried to make it a home despite the fact of the horrible conditions, like they even decorated it. Now, granted, it was a little bizarre and kind of hippie-ish, but they were trying to make this place their home because that's all they had, right? And so we walk in there, and uh, Dave and I went in there first to check it out and make sure everything's all good before everybody came in. And uh, we walked in there, first thing I saw when I was in there is the guy that injected heroin into his, into his veins. And I'm looking around, I'm seeing these people, seeing all these people living back there. And I'm thinking, man, that's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's son. That's somebody's dad that their kid don't know where they're at. Like, like Jesus sees these people, man. And I'll be honest, it was dark. It was depressing. It was an awful environment to be in, but it wasn't all bad. And it was bizarre because we, so I, I, I made sure the guy wasn't shooting up anymore. And so we went back, we got everybody else. And we started, we had like three carloads full of stuff that we bring in there for them. Socks, just tangible stuff they can need. Uh, hygiene kits, just whatever we thought would be helpful for them. Some food stuff we took in. And uh, so we handed it to them. And these people, like they welcomed us into their home. And I know it, it's bizarre to think about, but that was their home. Like they didn't have much of a home, but what they had, like they welcomed us into their home. And they said, sit down. We're so glad you're here. And we said all this stuff, this huge pile of stuff. And they didn't fight over it. They didn't argue over it. They shared it. They made sure that everybody had enough. That's what it talks about in the book of Acts, the early church of God, that when people came together, when believers came together, like they shared, like despite the drug use, I'm not trying to glaze over that. That's horrible. That's dark. They need deliverance from that. But there was a certain level of God I could see in their midst. We didn't bring him there. He was already there. They just weren't aware of it. That's a God I can worship. I can worship a God like that. I can't worship a God that I'm in, I'm in charge of bringing, carrying him. He's way too big. Let me tell you something. Your arms ain't strong enough. Your spirit isn't big enough. We don't, we don't carry anything. God carries all of us. And he is omnipotent. And he's omnipresent. And he was already in their midst. They just weren't aware of it. right? And we made a commitment. Yeah, when we go in here, we're going to give them this stuff. It's the first time meeting them. We're not going to preach at them. I'm not going to give them Bible tracts. I'm not going to tell them they're going to hell. We're just going to give them some food. Give them some hygiene items. So we take the stuff in there. We give them our information. We say, hey, if you guys need anything else, we want you to call us. If we have it, we'll help you out. I'm not going to give you money to go shoot up heroin. I'm just not going to do it. I didn't say that, but we have common sense for what we do. Uh, but whatever you need, we're going to help you out. And uh, Because we, we're convinced that you cannot impact the lives of people that you're not willing to enter. Right? They're not just going to wander in here. They're not. We have to go where they're at. We do that with wisdom. We do that with prayer. Uh, and so, yeah, we said, hey, if you guys need anything else, we want you to contact us. No strings attached. You don't have to come to the French church. And this girl spoke up. She says, but I want to. But I want to. She was spiritually hungry. You know what I mean? And she's like, I want to, but I want to come. She says, I, I, don't, I don't lie about my addiction. I'm a drug addict. They're getting ready to be kicked out uh, by the end of the month. And the uh, authorities are going to remove them from the, from the woods. And I, and I started asking someone, well, where are you guys going to go? Where are you going to go? There's only so many shelters. You know, some of them still have huge drug, drug use problems. Uh, where are you going to go? She said, I'm going to go into rehab. She's like, I don't lie about my, my situation. I'm a drug addict, but I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go into rehab. She said, I want to come. And so we finished up with them, gave them the stuff. And before we left, and again, we didn't force anything on them. They stopped. They said, could you please pray for us? All these people started. It was incredible, man. All these people started coming out of these tents. It was like Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? People crawling out of their little hobbit holes, you know? 
I mean, it was, it was bizarre, but they want, they were spiritually starving. Like, that's part of the reason why they're there. If you have a deep sense of purpose and you have a future hope, you're not going to fall into that stuff. The reason people fall into incarceration, drug addiction, they have a lethal absence of a future hope. That's the very definition of who Jesus is. He is the present and future hope. And when you don't have that, when you don't have any sense of purpose or belonging or any sense of family, right? Some of these people have burned so many bridges, they don't have anybody anymore. But we believe that as we go in and we begin to begin to build family with them, that God can train, uh, change anything, man. He can change anything. He can change anything. You look at the book of uh, Jonah. God says to Jonah, hey, man, and I'll wrap up with this thought. I want you to go to this place called Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is what we consider modern-day Iraq. Uh, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and these people, these Ninevites, they're known for skinning people alive. They're known for cutting hands off and putting them on posts. Jonah, they cut heads off, they hang them on posts. They cut fingers off, they even cut genitals off. Jonah, but uh, this is true, true historical fact. But Jonah, I want you to go over there to those people. Now, I don't know about you. I think Jonah gets a bad rap. Jonah, why didn't you just listen to God? Would you do that? I mean, let's keep it real. You know what I mean? Let's keep it real for a minute, right? Uh, but God says, man, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh. These people were, they were crazy, man. They were crazy. And so what does Jonah do? Nah, I'm good, man. I'm going to go to Tarshish. Tarshish was like the Bahamas, man. Like, no, nah, I'm good with Iraq. I think I'll go down to the Caribbean, you know? And so he runs from God. How many of you guys know there's nowhere you could go to escape God's presence? That's not a... That, that's a, that's a, it's a sobering thing, but it's for me, it's also an encouraging thing. One of my favorite verses in the, in the scriptures, it's in the, uh, the Proverbs or Psalms. It says, if I ascend to the highest heights, God, you are there. And if I make my bed in Sheol, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. There's nowhere we could go to escape God's presence. So Jonah jumps in his boat, man, he takes off, he creates chaos. They end up throwing him over because, you know, their boat's getting torn up. So he gets swallowed by the whale. You know what I mean? And, and, and I've had people argue with me with this, people who don't believe in God. Was there really a whale? That's not the point. The point is not whether there was this whale or not. The point is we. this still happens. That's the point of it. The point is God calls us to reach people and we run from it, right? God calls us to be a certain type of people and we run from it and we allow things to swallow us up, right? That still happens. 2018 Hamilton, Ohio, doesn't it? Jonah goes to, to Tarshish, man. He's thinking that's where, that's, that's where it's happening. But where it was happening was in Nineveh. Now, I'm not saying as a church that's all we're going to do. It's not. We're called to reach everybody. So we're not just going to just go into the prisons in those places. But we're convinced, man, that's where God's at. God is there. There's this verse in uh, the book of Luke, and I'll close with this. It says, if anybody tells you that the kingdom's here or there, don't believe them, because the kingdom of God is within you. And if you remember anything this morning, it, I want you to remember this. If you said yes to Jesus, if you've connected with the death, burial, and resurrection of who Jesus is, if you said yes to the Messiah, if you've allowed God to pull you out of the matrix of sin and darkness, like I want you to know that the moment that you believe, the moment that you say yes to that, like the same cosmic power that created stars and galaxies, the same cosmic power that our telescopes can't even reach the, the ends of space. It says, uh, scientists say that space is still expanding. Like God made that, the same power that God created the sun, the stars 
stars, the galaxies, babies, flowers, good coffee, you know what I mean? That same power is unleashed in your life. And the powerful thing about that is it's not just during certain times with certain people, but Scripture says, Luke, in the book of Luke, the kingdom of God is within you. And if the kingdom of God is within you, you know what that means? Anywhere you go, anywhere your foot treads, God's kingdom can be unleashed. And so this week, I want you to think about what are the cemeteries around you? And they're different for all of us. It doesn't have to be this intense thing. What, is it, what are the cemeteries around you? Who are the people around you that are, that are they're like the walking dead? Uh, they're like the walking dead. Who, who, where are the cemeteries around you? Where are the dead places around you? Maybe God's already speaking to those people. He's just waiting for you to point out the God that was there the whole time. If you think back on your own life before you found Jesus, can you see God there before you even believed? I can't. Jesus healed people before they ever believed. He's been there the whole time. We just weren't aware of it. Does that mean I had a relationship? No. No, I was living in the darkness. But God was there the whole time. I wouldn't be alive. Remember being shot at. Remember overdosing on drugs. I wouldn't be here if God wasn't there before. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. Let's pray. God, I thank you today for showing up in unexpected ways. I thank you, Jesus, for reminding us that all ground is holy. I thank you that there is no God-forsaken place on this earth. Yes, there's places where people have rejected you. Yes, there's places where people have embraced sin and darkness and destruction. Yes, there's places where people are injecting heroin into their veins. But God, we thank you that Jesus has entered the darkness and the filth of the human story, that he was born into a stable. He was born into the brokenness of humanity. And I thank you, God, that you're not the kind of God that you run from it, but that you enter.